So today's passage is taken from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 33, and can be found on page 969 of the Church Bibles. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Hope you're adjusting to British summertime. Very proud of my kids this morning. They seem to have this incredible ability to adjust automatically to the clocks. <laughs> Very thankful for that. Not so much. Okay, let's um, think about this issue of integrity and let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word. Thank you that as we open your scriptures, we will hear your voice. So we pray you give us uh, ears that will listen and hearts that are willing and keen to obey. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our title this morning, How to Be a Person of Integrity. In a world of fake news, it's, um, it's quite hard to know, isn't it, what's true and what's not anymore. Do we trust our politicians? Do we trust them to tell us the facts as they really are or to manipulate the facts in order to achieve political gains? What about the media? Do we trust the media to report things as they really are or are they shaped by their agenda and their preconceived ideas and bias? Truth really matters. And truth really matters because trust is founded, is grounded upon truth. It's really hard to trust someone, isn't it, if you're not convinced they're telling you the truth. How can you trust the, the president of your country if you're not convinced that he's telling you the facts, the truth? When you go to see your doctor, do you want them to tell you the news they think you want to hear or the news you need to hear? We want the truth. It's very hard to trust someone after you've been deceived, isn't it? If you want proof of that, talk to someone who's been on the wrong end of an affair and a marriage. Very hard to trust. Well, once upon a time, we lived in a world where your word was your bonds. Seems to be a bit of a distant memory now, that, doesn't it? Today, there's, there's little encouragement for people to keep the vows they made when they married. Now, people will promise the world to deliver the sale, to get the profit, half time knowing they'll never be able to deliver. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say we'll be somewhere, we'll commit to doing something, and once upon a time, if you weren't going to be there, you'd have to pick up the phone and make that really awkward phone call. Not anymore, you just send a text, don't you, an hour before. Much easier. When we want a builder or a trade, we, we ask for recommendations. We ask because we want to know that the person who's going to be working on our house is someone we can trust, someone with integrity, someone who will keep, keep to their words. And truth matters. 
Keeping your word matters. Integrity matters. Someone was telling me that once upon a time, on all the uh, literature you got from um, Martin's Volkswagen in um, Basingstoke, you'd see the word integrity written all over it. Well, I wonder how the emissions uh, scandal now makes that integrity look. Integrity matters. Which is, of course, of, of course, why throughout the Bible, God commands his people to be people of truth, people of integrity. And Jesus picks up on those commands in verse 33 of uh, our passage. Look down, verse 33. Jesus says this. Do not break your oath. Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. Now, when Jesus says you've heard it said or you've, you've heard it written, he could be picking up a number of Old Testament passages. Here's a few of them. Here's one from Numbers 30. Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Well, this one from Deuteronomy 23. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do. Because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. Pretty clear passages, aren't they? God says, if you made a vow or an oath, keep your words. Keep your words. It's better not to make a vow at all than to to break one. And when God's people made a vow, they also had to be really careful the way, about the way they made it, because they used to swear on things. So um, look at Leviticus 19.12. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your gods. I am the Lord. It seems entirely inappropriate, doesn't it, to um, say this on Mother's Day. But I guess the sort of phrase you hear, might hear today is, look, I swear on my mother's life that I will do this. I guess that's the modern day equivalent. In Old Testament Israel, what you'd have heard would be, look, I swear on God's name, I swear on God's temple that I will do that for you. And if that vow was to be broken, then it's not just your integrity and character that is damaged, it's God's. God was profaned. God was disrespected. See, all these verses are very clearly saying, look, if you make a vow, if you make a promise, do not break it. Keep it. But here's the thing, and we've been seeing this over the last few weeks. What Israel's religious leaders did was they twisted it. They twisted the Old Testament commands, and they, well, in this case, they made it more about the importance of not profaning God's name than keeping your vow. Let me show you what I mean. So Jesus says, do not break your oath, but keep the oath you've made to the Lord." Jesus' emphasis is on the bit in bold underlined. But what the Pharisees and the religious religious leaders do is they change the emphasis. So it's more about what's important, what what the Old Testament law is saying is that it's about how you make your vow, who you swear by that's important. That's where their emphasis was. And so whether a vow was really strictly binding or not was dependent on what the vow, what you swore on when you made a vow. 
And so what, what Israel's leaders do is they come up with this sort of elaborate system of things you can swear on and, then, and break and things you can't swear on and break. And if you look, flick, flick forward to Matthew 23, it's going to come up on the screen if you refer it there. Jesus here is talking to the religious leaders. And this is what he says. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? See what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, to, to swear by the temple, these Old Testament guys are saying, wasn't binding, but to swear by the temple gold was binding. To swear by the altar wasn't binding. To swear by the gift on the altar was binding. I read this week that uh, a commentator talks about how to swear by Jerusalem wasn't binding, but to swear towards Jerusalem was binding. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Arbitrary. It's a bit like us saying, um, the difference between someone saying, I swear on my mother's or my children's life, and we say, that's a vow you're not going to break. I guess compare that to, I swear on my cat's life. Now, if you ever hear me say that, do not believe a word I say. Because me and Mitzi have a love-hate relationship <laughs> with an emphasis on the hate. That's, that's too strong. She's lovely in her own way. So Jesus' point here, I digress, Jesus' point here in Matthew 23 and, and uh, in our passage, and also the point in the Old Testament, is that the, these religious leaders, they are blind. They are blind to Jesus' points. Because his point, and the, the, the driving force of the Old Testament commands, is that it's not who or what you swear by that's important. What's important is that you keep your oath. You keep your vow. You keep your promise. And so Jesus says, verse 34, do not swear at all. There's no point. And the reason for that command, Jesus, the reason not to swear is because to swear by anything is to, in a sense, swear by God's name. For everything belongs to God. Just look at verses 34 to 36. You swear by heaven, well that's to swear by God's throne room. To swear by earth, and by implication anything in it, is to swear by God's footstool. For creation is his, it was made by him, it belongs to him. To swear by Jerusalem is to swear by the city of God's king, it's his place. See, everything belongs to God and is under his control. I mean, verse 36, even your own head. Though it belongs to you, ultimately it belongs to To God. For you cannot make even one hair white or black. And let's be honest, a few of us know about that, don't we? You see, some of us, you know, we try and dye our hair all sorts of colours to cover the grey or, as Clive informed me, silver. Uh, But actually all we're doing is trying to mask what is natural. And none of us can control 
when our hair goes gray. Only God controls that. So you swear by anything at all in this world and you're, in a sense, swearing on God's name because the world is his and everything is in it. So you break your vow, you profane God's name. But as we said before, Jesus' main point here is not that they should be careful who they swear by. It's that they shouldn't swear at all. Instead, simply, verse 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. As one commentator says on these verses, I was talking about we should be people of our word, people of truth, people of integrity. He says this, swearing, i.e. oath-taking, is really a pathetic confession of our own dishonesty. Why do we find it necessary to introduce our promises by some tremendous formula? I swear by, dot, dot, dot. The only reason is that we know our simple word is not to be trusted. So we try to induce people by adding a solemn oath. Ouch. Swear by anything at all is actually to admit you can't trust our word. We have to admit to it. Truth matters. Keeping your word matters. Integrity matters. Now, I I imagine that uh, for many of us, we're not using that sort of language. And so, what does this passage have to say to people like us? Well, perhaps it's first of all important to highlight what it doesn't say, or what what it doesn't mean. Um, Some groups, people like the Quakers, have used these uh, verses to argue that Christians should never swear an oath of any kind. You should never sign a contract. Um, Or you you shouldn't um, swear to tell the truth in court on the Bible. I shouldn't do those things. But I think that, that is a misunderstanding of these verses. Jesus' point is that if our word is our bonds, then we don't need to swear by anything in order to strengthen our words. Our words are enough. And I don't think that means that we can't ever sign a document or make an oath. I think Jesus' concern here is that our attitude in our hearts is consistent with the words on our lips. Truth matters. Keeping your word matters. Integrity matters. So so what does this look like for you and I? Well, look, let me be blunt. I I don't suspect there's many here this morning, but I wonder if just a couple of people might be aware that you're actually deliberately lying and deceiving someone. And if that's you, Jesus says, stop. Stop. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I suspect for most of us, though, the implications are far more subtle. It's more about casual conversation. It's the, we perhaps don't set out to lie, but often we do intentionally or perhaps unintentionally deceive people. We're not always completely honest, are we? Um, some of you know I, I'm on Twitter and I really enjoy one particular account on Twitter and it's called uh, Very British Problems. And um, it's sort of an account that um, picks up on British sayings or colloquialisms and sort of translates them into what they really mean. Here's a few that I found this week that sort of relates to our words. I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it, 
Translation, I'd rather forward roll for five miles over upturned plugs. I might pop down later, I see how I feel. Translation, I'll 100% be in bed. And for the younger generation, they'll hear that a lot. Workplace lies. I was just about to reply. Uh, sorry I'm late. I'll get right on it. I'll try my best. I haven't had time. Kind regards. <laughs> and this is my favourite. I'm about five minutes away. Translation, I'm still in my bathroom. <laughs> you see, these things are funny because they're recognisable. We relate to them. We've probably said some of these things or variations of them. But in the big promises we make in life and in the little conversations, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because truth matters. Keeping your word matters. Integrity matters. Sorry I'm late. I was stuck in traffic. Well, yeah, traffic might have been a factor, but let's be honest, you were late before you even left the house. Sorry, I can't meet you on Wednesday. I've double booked. Now, look, occasionally we do forget to put something in our diary, but often that means actually a better offer came in at the same time, and I'd rather go with a better offer than my original commitment. Sorry, I've, I've just not got round to doing that this week. I've, I've just not had the time. I've been too busy. Well, sometimes that is true. Stuff comes up. You barely sit down all day. There's illness in the family. But what's often true is that we've had time, but we've just prioritised other things. Other really good things, like family, or work, or rest, or socialising. But we have had time... We just prioritise differently. We, we make time for what we want to do. Now, look, you might think, oh, isn't this, this is just, these are just little white lies. They're just little deceptions. And they're not particularly harmful, are they? But the fact is we're still giving people the wrong impression. We're still deceiving people. Exaggeration is a, another form of deception, isn't it? I used to play rugby in my, um, my try, the occasional times I got them when I picked the ball up about a metre out and was pushed over. By the time I got home, I got the ball on the halfway line, I weaved round three or four players and scored in the corner. That's exaggeration, it's a deception. Your contribution to something, an, an event you attended, the, the difficulty of your circumstances, these things can grow in stature and magnitudes as you describe them to others. Exaggeration is a subtle deception. Truth matters. Integrity matters. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keeping your word matters. If you've committed to doing something, committed to call to someone, committed to pray for someone, how many times have that? Oh, I'll pray for you. Then let your word be your bond. Do as you have said. We have, um, we have a friend, uh, she doesn't live in Basingstoke, so no one, no one here, you're not guilty. And um, whenever we arrange social engagement, she's always really keen, yeah, 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 I'll be there. She never turns up. And no one trusts her now. No one believes her words when she says she's going to turn up. If we made a commitment to someone, and let's honour 
those commitments, even if that is costly for you. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Another area that I think we can apply this teaching of Jesus to is in how we care for children, whether our own children or others, though the relationship will be different. Every child needs discipline. And we'll disagree about how to do that, okay? There's no one size fits all. But I wonder how often we can be guilty of saying things like this. If you don't come now, I'll leave you behind. Really? Or, you know, you're trying to pack the car and you're about to go on holiday. You say, look, if you do not stop messing around, we are not going on holiday. Or perhaps it's even just something like this. You say, look, if you do that again, I'm going to put you on the naughty step. And the child does it again, and nothing happens. Grandparents, through very good motives, you can often be guilty of that latter one. See, what does this tell our children about our words? Are they going to believe our words in the future? You know, if if they don't trust us, can't believe our words in the small things, are they going to believe our words in the big things? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And if you decide not to discipline your children and and show them grace, then that's brilliant, fine, but explain why you are doing and what what you're doing and why you're doing it. So they continue to trust your words. Your word is not undermined. The other thing just related to children is that I think we really need to help youngsters understand Jesus' teaching here. We've We've all been young once, haven't we? We know how easy it is to spin a lie. It's almost second nature. Perhaps it's first nature. And Jane and I are um, not great at being parents. We make mistakes all over the shop. But the one thing we've tried to do is we've tried to really let our kids know that if they lie, they'll be in trouble. And so there's always lesser consequences if they've done something wrong, if they admit it and tell the truth straight away. And the consequences are much harsher if they try to deceive us and lie. Because we want them, we want to be able to trust them and we want them to be able to trust us. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, For some of us here, Jesus' words will have a real challenge in the workplace. I was uh, talking to someone this week who was um, asked by a colleague to cover for them whilst they went and did their Christmas shopping. And uh, my friend said, what, I mean, what would you do in that situation? My friend said, well, uh, she said to her colleague, I'm not going to snitch, but if I get asked where you are, I'm not going to lie. That's pressure, isn't it, in the workplace? I wonder if you're ever asked to manipulate data or statistics in order to make your business more attractive or to sell more products. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because truth matters. Keeping your word matters. Integrity matters. So this family should, this church family should be a family that that speaks the truth in love to each other. Uh, Some of us are very good at the speaking truth bit. Others of us are very good at the in love bit. We need to be both. We need to be a church family that every so often is willing to sit down and have a hard conversation with someone 
because they really do need to hear it. But we need to do that gently and kindly and graciously and sensitively. We speak the truth in love. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Finally then, verse 37, we see the reason why Jesus gives this command. And it's this, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Have you thought about why we lie or unintentionally deceive people? Why do we do that? Well, I wonder if it's for these three reasons. The first thing is to protect ourselves. We lie or exaggerate so people don't realise how bad I am, how sinful I am. I want to cover over my mistakes. And secondly, we, we perhaps lie and deceive because we want to grow our own reputations. We want... It's just the opposite of the first one, really, isn't it? Or thirdly, we can lie in order to manipulate others in order to maximise our own enjoyment. That's three reasons. There's, there's probably more. But the truth is that in the Gospel, in Jesus, we die to self and we now live for him. We put aside selfish gain and in, instead look for the good of our neighbour. We sacrifice our own reputation for the good of others' reputations. As a Christians, we're called to holiness, to reflect God's holiness, the God who cannot lie. And we're saved by the Son of God who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All Jesus had to do as he faces Pilate in that so-called trial was deny that he was the Son of God. And he'd avoided a whole world of pain. But he didn't do it. He couldn't do it. Because he doesn't just speak the truth. He is the truth. He embodies the truth. Truth matters. Keeping your word matters. Integrity matters. Because without it and without Jesus doing those three things, we would not no God. We could not trust that God would keep his promises to people like us. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. And as Jesus says, the truth shall set you free. Let's pray. Loving Father, perhaps we're aware this morning of all sorts of little deceptions that we pull in our relationships with family, in relationships at work, all sorts of myths that we just love and long for people to believe about us. Thank you for your reminder this morning of the importance of being people of truth, of integrity, people who keep our word. And we do pray that as we see us in, you would remind us and point us to our glorious Saviour, the one who could never lie, the embodiment of truth, who enables us to know and enjoy your love. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen.